Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Lacey and I'm coming to you from the offices of Game Time CT. I am with Pete Bawaga. Hi Pete, how are you? What's going on Ryan, how's everything? Great, um, you're sort of the pod father now, first connecting <laughs> you. First baseball, now softball. We are calling this Inside the Circle and we thought it would be a great time to start this up with you know, tournament time ratcheting up and um, we have a nice little rundown for everyone. We are going to recap the conference tournament and a lot of great action over the weekend as the weather finally cleared out and everyone got to show what they could do. We're going to look at the latest Game Time CT Top 10 poll, then look ahead to the state tournament, four classes, all of which should be interesting. A lot of different teams with hopes of winning state championships. And then we'll look at some players in each class, a lot of standouts, great performers, and looking to you know sign off the season in the positive way. So. Peter, you ready to start here? Yeah, man. Let's dive into these conference tournaments. Awesome. So we'll start with the NBL, which was, the, I would say, the chalkiest of the tournaments. Um, see more of the top seeds sort of steamrolled its way. A lot of great bats in the lineup and, you know, got the pitching as well. And most of their wins were pretty comfortable. And now, I know you were at the final yes. against St. Paul. Um, that was, yeah, I mean, I, that's exactly how to explain it. It was just kind of meh. But, uh, I mean, Seymour is good. They're as good as advertised. Uh, I know you and I have both seen them a couple of times right. so far this year. Uh, they are as good as advertised. If anyone was wondering who hasn't been able to go see Seymour yet, they could hit, they could pitch, they could field, they could do everything. Um, you know, St. Paul played in tight the first two times that they played during the year. St. Paul's head coach uh, wasn't at the game. Uh, he had, uh, you know, conflict with work, so he wasn't able to come, but, uh, I mean, it was over, you know, Seymour scored seven runs in the first inning, you know, you're not going to, uh, you'll be lucky to score a one or two against Seymour, so, uh, I mean, for them, it just seems like that was just another practice until what is the ultimate goal, which is, you know, winning another Class M state title. Yeah, like you said, Seymour's lone loss this season was against St. Paul, a one-run game, and obviously Seymour returned that favor at the end of the regular season, and then even in more emphatic fashion in the final. You said that Seymour can do it all, and like I said, we've also seen them a few times this year. Is there anything about them in specific that jumps out at you and be like, whoa, they're like really good at this? They can hit. I mean, up and down that lineup, Becca Johnson, Becca Finley, uh, Molly Kennedy, um, Morgan Ticcio, who... You know, we were joking on Twitter the other day. There is no known footage of her ever getting out. Um, she's a freshman. She's unbelievable. I mean, she hits the ball. She might hit the ball harder than I've ever seen any softball player at, in high school hit the ball. Uh, and you have a uh, you know a leadoff hitter like Becca Johnson at the top of your order who's batting like somewhere north of 800 or whatever. Um, you know, and, and you know it's not even the hitting. It's the, it's the way that they run the bases and the way that they take the bases. And whether they're up 10, whether they're up 15, whether they're up one, they're aggressive. Uh, if you put your head down for a second, they will take a base on you. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's pretty cool how they have that down to a science. I mean, that's really what makes Seymour so dangerous. Yeah. So it looks like they're you know have a lot of momentum behind them heading into Class M. So we will uh, jump to the FCAC here where St. Joseph got one over on, on their rivals in the FCI tournament for a second year in a row, this time in the final. You know, they blanked Trumbull 6 nothing. Um, I was a little surprised by that, I'm not going to lie to you, because Trumbull's been really good all year, coming off, you know, they're the defending double-L champions, um, and they were great all year. But <clears throat> it's like that old cheesy cliche, when you play your rivals, you know, or you play a team more than... You know, once, you know, you throw everything out the window. And a 6 nothing window, I think, was a little surprising for me. But, I mean, St. Joe's was down last year. Um, and, they can, you know, they, they've been the, uh, the queens of the FCAC for a very long time. So, I don't think it's a surprise for them 
that they're back on top. Yeah, absolutely. They, they have a pair of very good pitchers in Peyton Dorian, who pitched the final, and also Catherine Connell. Um, like you said, beating your rivals over and over again is difficult, and Trumbull also, they steamrolled their way through the FCX season, while St. Joseph had a few more close games. Actually, all four of their regular season losses were by one run, which can kind of warp your perception of the team. If St. Joe's goes 2-2 two and two in those games, they only have two losses. If they do better, they're closer undefeated, and, and people would put the two teams on more equal footing, yeah. you know, as you know, you approach that game. But Absolutely. obviously an amazing performance by St. Joseph. And again, great momentum heading into that Class M tournament, which seems like it is going to be outstanding. Yes. We don't want to we don't want to tease that, but we're both very excited about the class. Yeah, if you couldn't you know pick up, pick up <laughs> on that already, that's obviously where we're headed. So, anything else on this FCI championship before we move on? I just I don't think you know I don't think it was is as big as a surprise as some people have made it out to be. You know, St. Charles was one of those you know great programs year in and year out. So even if they win twenty games in the regular season or ten games in the regular season, if they're in the FCI tournament, they have just as good as a chance to win with anybody else. Yeah, they had a test early on in the quarterfinals. Actually, they only beat Danbury by one run, a team they crushed during the regular season. Yeah. So they survived that, and then you know they got hotter and hotter, and they had a huge win over Trumbull. Yep. So next up is the SEC, which it was a surprise. Insane from the start, I think would be a good way yeah. to describe it. Cheshire and Hand go out in the first round, and then it culminates with an insane final that you were at, yep. Amity North Haven. North Haven comes away with the win and the SEC championship. First, first SEC championship, yeah, first SEC conference championship in school history. Um, to be honest, at the beginning of the year, you know, Cheshire, Hand, Amity were the teams that everyone talked about. No one really talked about North Haven. Um, obviously, they were one of the better teams in the SEC, but you know, even statewide. But like you said, Cheshire gets knocked out by Sheehan in the first round. Hand gets knocked out. And all of a sudden, it's anyone's game. And Amity can flat out hit. And yeah. they did hit. They scored eight runs. Right. But North Haven scored 12. Right. And it was just a weird game of taking... They took what Amity gave them, and they made them pay for their mistakes that they made. Right. Um, you know, credit to Amity for not, you know, laying down. They, you know, they they battled back into it. They made it a game, but uh, it was just a weird, weird game. I think is the way that uh, anyone who was there would sum it up. It was just weird. <laughs> and uh, you know, shout out to North Haven, um, and they're gonna they're gonna have fun in uh, in in uh, Class L as well. They're uh, I might have those on my team to uh, to watch. I don't want to spoil that, but it was just. <clears throat> I mean, maybe that just shows how deep the SEC is. I mean, we always hear that SEC might be the best conference in the state, or at least the deepest conference in the state, and I don't think you can argue, uh, at least this year, um, in terms of, like you said, Cheshire lost in the first round, Hand lost in the first round, those are two top ten teams. You know, and then you got Amity and, 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 and North Haven, and shout out to Shane, who, yep. who beat Cheshire and almost beat them earlier this year. I might have them in my end making some noise, who knows, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, they're all, all those SCT teams are going to be battle-tested. Yeah, and this, these tournaments are going to be a great referendum on that because most of them are in L and double L, you know, aside from Sheehan, so it'll be interesting to see how they all fare. And yep. another thing about North Haven, they lost to Amity, what, twice during the regular season mm -hmm. and to, you know, bounce back and somehow beat them in a what seems like an insane game, like yeah. you said. It was it was crazy. So let's move on to the Shoreline Conference, which another game that um, I saw a lot Mr. Pablaga was at. I saw uh, a lot of soft. on Sunday, where North Bradford, you know, beat Hale Ray for the championship. And you know, what were your impressions of the Thunderbirds? I had seen them earlier in the season. That was the first time you had seen um, them. This year? Sydney is everything that everybody says that she is. 
She is awesome. She can flat out pitch. I mean, four championships in a row in the shoreline. This was the first time they actually went down one nothing. It was the first time that they that they were down all season. That's absurd. Um, and then she got she got locked in. She mowed him down. She allowed two hits the rest of the way after the first inning. And uh, her teams they got the hits that um, that they needed. You know, everyone. I mean, even me. I wrote, I wrote the story about the you know talks about the three seniors who were there for all starting on all right. four champions. But it was a freshman, right? Jada Jada Mancini. Came through with the big hit in the um, in the fifth inning to give them the lead. And uh, you know, talking to Coach Nick after, he was, you know, this was a nice test for them. It was nice to see them battle back, and they know that they can do it now. They haven't been tested a lot this year, and uh, you know, outside of this and the and the Griswold game earlier this year, you know, it was nice to I guess see them, you know. Be a little battle tested now heading into the state tournament. In that M, in that M tournament that M. we keep bringing up, Absolutely. that is so good and going to be so much fun to watch. They have that little, you know, battle test, and we'll talk a little bit about it more in M. But all those teams are battle tested in there, and now North Brantford is. Yep, and still undefeated. You know, only three teams went undefeated during the regular season in the whole state, and they're one of them. And like I said, Sinertia just dialed in and. Some of their games have been low scoring, maybe not even competitive, because she can just keep throwing zeros while it takes time for maybe yep. the offense to get going. Another senior, Olivia Hemstock, has just torn the cover yeah, off the ball was, this year. Uh, she was named Shoreline Hitter of the Year right. for the game, and then Sydney was named Shoreline Pitcher of the Year. So when they have both of those, they're 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 pretty dangerous. Yeah, Sinners is just you know pitching as well as she's ever pitched. Obviously, hungry. You know, based off what happened last year, making the deep run and not being able to win the state championship, they seem very motivated and confident that yeah. this might be their year. So yep. that would be very, you know, exciting for them. So the last one here is the ECC, which was probably the the craziest game of them all that um, neither one of us were at. But Griswold's trailing 5-0 to NFA in the final comes back to win 6-5. You know, a play at the plate. In the sixth inning, Sarah Avila, is a sophomore, you know, scores the winning run. And earlier in the game, with the score five five, NFA had a runner thrown out at home that would have given them the six five lead. Oh, wow. Instead, it's Griswold that you know a, a big win for them because they don't get to play NFA during the regular season yeah. based on the divisions. So it's sometimes hard to tell how good they are when they play the lower division teams. But here they step up in class and they come away with their first ECC title since two thousand and four, I believe. Wow. And Again, momentum for them heading into states. And a, a big statement win, I guess. NFA is a good team. They only had four losses. You know, a tough double L squad that's always obviously good. You know, no news there. Yep. So just a big win for them, I thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something that they can take. Again, it's that being challenged and coming back, facing adversity, and coming back and winning that will help you make deep runs into the state tournament right. in any sport. Right, and Grizzle would actually beat NFA during the regular season, um, 6-2, their early, that was their big early season win. And then they also beat Notre Dame Fairfield, which was a big win for them. But yeah, they're, they'll be atop that class M dog fight for sure, which will, again, more of those, those teams. We don't know how difficult their roads will be, but once, once they collide, those games are going to be outstanding, just like they were last year. Yep. So now we will visit the Game Time CT Top 10 poll that has remained pretty stable at the top. Once Seymour and Southington suffered their first losses, that really opened the door for Massac, which has been the number one team with most of the first place votes for the last several weeks. 
and they they continued their uh, oh we missed them and we missed the SWC. Yes, yeah, SWC, that's right. Yeah, so let's look at that real <laughs> fast. Um, yeah, Massick, they beat Newtown, shut them out in the final. They've shut out 17 of their 23 opponents this year, which is pretty good. Um, they've they only allowed one run in their three SWC tournament games and. Their pitching tandem of yeah. Maddie Prosek and Sam Sheevy just dominant is the only word to describe them. They are. It's pretty incredible to see that with you know you see a lot of teams go with the one, you know they 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 ride the one pitcher you know for most of the year. And you look at a team like Massive with that dynamic duo where it's like they can go to them in any spot of any game, and you're not you know tiring them out or you know being. Um, you know, you're not overworking them and stuff like that, so it's uh, kind of interesting to see them go with that dynamic duo and uh, heading into the you know state tournament. It's going to be nice to have. And similar to North Brantford, they had a few games this year where they couldn't get the offense going until really late, but with Sam or Maddie pitching, it didn't really matter. Exactly. They exactly. would just throw up zeros until the offense would find a way to score. And you know, going 23-0 SWC schedule, you know, and you know, winning the tournament for a second, you know, winning the tournament for a second straight year. Again, in relatively dominant fashion, their bats were alive. The score was only 6 nothing against Newtown, but it felt worse being there, just how hard they hit the ball. Alexa Bakulis, their number four hitter, shortstop senior. Megan McFarland's uh, junior center fielder. Um, they, you know, the team can hit the ball well at times, I guess, you know. You're going you're gonna to need to get those, those opportune hits, because, you know, when, if, the collision course that we think is going to happen in Clash M happens. Those games are going to be one nothing, two nothing games, and you're going to be need, and you're going to be need, you're going to have to be able to make the plays in the field and get those opportune hits. And uh, so that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah. So we're just um, going back to the poll real fast. Massic, you know, most of the first place votes for the last few weeks. Seymour just ahead of North Brantford at the number two spot. I mean, this is a debate. You know. It, Definitely two sides you could take here that will, I mean, it's a debate, but it will end shortly. <laughs> once once state playoffs happen, I feel like it might be a little bit of a slight on North Brantford, not being in that number two spot, being the one of the other, you know, undefeated squads. You know, they did everything that they could. They beat Grosswald, you know, they beat Codcock twice, and they won their tournament. But Seymour's explosiveness is just so hard to ignore, I suppose. Yeah, I think, I don't think voters are holding, uh, are holding that loss against St. Paul against them too much because Seymour has come out. They beat them, what, two weeks later, and right. then they just demolished them Absolutely. in the NBL finals. Right. So, but again, it might be a slight to North Brantford, or you know, voters might be looking at the Shoreline Conference yes. compared to the NBL and taking that into consideration. Yep, it's difficult. You know, it's it's hard to compare when those two areas don't interact very often. Yep. Anything else on the poll that you know stuck out to you? Again, you know, it seems like if. You won your conference championship. You got back in the yeah, top ten. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. Um, I think the one thing to point out: Southington sitting there for the CCC does not have a conference championship yep. uh, tournament for softball. So I don't think people. I don't. Maybe people haven't been hearing about Southington a lot lately because of that. They're kind of just finishing. You know, they just kind of finished their regular season. You know, this is a team that went to the state finals last year, lost by one run uh, to a really good Trumbull team, and uh, they've just been. It seems like quietly just been going through a 19 and one season and, uh, as the, you know the number four team in the poll. So I, you know they don't. I mean, Kara Cesaro uh, is, is one of the better pitchers in the state, and uh, maybe there's just not. We haven't been hearing about them, but you know we talk about Massey, we talk about their pitchers, we talk about Seymour, we talk about you know Becca and, and Morgan and, and Colby and all those girls who could hit. 
And then, you know, North Bradford has Sydney, and, you know, Griswold is kind of that fun story of the year, and Trouble's the defending champs, and North Haven wins the CCCs, and Cheshire is Cheshire, and then you're kind of just like, they're Southampton. So, you know, I think that they're a team that a lot of people might be sleeping on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's no, it's not breaking news to say that Karras is as good as yeah. any other pitcher. That's obvious, and, you know, like you said, maybe it's because they're just, we're so used to seeing them close to the top of the polls. They're, it's just a given how good yeah, they are. Exactly. They've been good for years and years and years, and... It's probably better for them that they didn't have to play a conference tournament, given how the weather worked out. Yeah, I know, right? They're probably oh, heading oh, into oh. the tournament calm and just their normal routine, you know, in what will be a very, you know, nice class double-up tournament for them. Moving on to... Time for picks? Time for picks. So, yeah, we will, um, <coughs> we will, you know, look at the state tournament brackets here real fast, starting with S and working our way up. Um, we will pick players, a few players to watch in each class, and then we will pick the winner. So this is probably the most fun part of this. Or the most wrong part. Absolutely. Of <laughs> when, when these go wrong, please um, send your hate tweets to at Pipaguaga or at RyanLacy11 on Twitter. Um, yeah, uh, we appreciate that. Absolutely. We actually want that. Yep, that's, <laughs> hate is always, um, you know... Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so starting with class S, you know, the small schools sometimes might not get as much attention as the big schools, so... Pete, what did when you saw the bracket or as you went your way through, what did you know what stuck out to you? I you know, what, what really stood out is just, you know, it, it's very top heavy, uh, when you look at you know some of the better teams. You know, Stafford is the number one seed. Again, probably no one's really been talking about Stafford yep. uh, at all this year. And uh, they're sitting there, I think they went nineteen and one this year. And um, you know, but then you look at it, and you get and you got teams like Hale Ray, who played North Brantford so well in the Shoreline Finals, and you got a team like St. Paul, who who beat Seymour. Right. You know, they're in Class S, and then you got another team like Coventry, who's been playing really well this year. So I, it looks really top heavy to me. And you also left out the, the three-time defending champion, Holy Cross. Yeah. Sitting at fifteen and five there. <laughs> the three-time defending champs. Yes. I forgot about them because maybe I didn't pick them. <laughs> um, but you know, we uh, we uh, we saw Holy Cross earlier this year. Yeah. I, I don't think that they're the teams that they were the last couple of years. Right. But you know, it's still, you know once you get to tournament, look, they play in the NVL. You know, that's a battle-tested league. You know, so when they get to the state tournament, the first couple of rounds might be. Uh, might be a little easier for them. Yeah, it'll be a nice little battle between maybe the shoreline teams, Cogginshaw, Hell Ray, and like you said, the NBL, St. Paul, Holy Cross. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The last couple of years has obviously gone to the NBL with Holy Cross winning three years in a row, going for number four. Yeah, and then there's like those weird, this is where like the Berkshire League teams kind of shine. Right, you look course. at Wilmogo is the four seed, they've been playing well all year. Terryville, who's the 30th seed playing Coventry, Terryville's a good program. You know, they were in they were in the S finals less than five years ago. And then you look at Thomaston, who <coughs> has one of the better players in Class S that we're going to talk about as well, sitting there as a 10 seed. But they have, they if they win, they're probably playing Holy Cross in the second round. So right. their their kind of draw was not friendly. Right. Yeah. That's. That could possibly open up the... I mean, you look at that side of the bracket with St. Paul and Holy Cross and Thomaston. I mean, uh, Thomaston couldn't be in a worse bracket. Uh, but then you look at it, so you're either going to get St. Paul or Holy Cross coming out of that, you know, section, which that could have easily been a finals matchup. Right, absolutely. And St. Paul Holy Cross was the final matchup last year. Yep. Um, Stafford looking for their first state title in 42 years, so it'll be interesting to see if you know this is the year that that school can, you know, 
break through and you know is their 19 and 1 mark you know that much stronger than maybe going 16 and 4 15 and 5 like they have maybe the last few years so who is your final four Pete and my you have? final four right now is I have number one Stafford playing against number five Hale Ray I was very impressed with the noises I also love their nickname the Hell Ray noises okay and uh, and I have St. Paul coming out of that bracket uh, and playing against Coventry then, do you want to do your final four? Do you want sure, to yeah. Um, I'll, I also have Stafford and Hellray, and on the other side I have Holy Cross and Coggenchog. I think, like you said, maybe Holy Cross isn't the team that they've been the last few years, but I, I would gather that they're probably better than what they showed early on in the season. Coggenchog also lost early in their shoreline tournament to Haddon Killingworth, and they posted a really good regular season, so I would hope to just chalk that up as maybe a bad day and maybe a little extra time to get ready for states. They always do a good job there. Yeah, absolutely. So my final, I'm picking Hell Ray for St. Paul in the finals. And the noises are coming out on top as Class S champions. I was super impressed with the way that they played uh, on Sunday. Uh, I think they really battled North Brantford really well, and they right. could have easily won ball falls indifferently, they could have blown that game wide open. Um, so I'm, I'm, putting my, I'm putting all my eggs in, in, in the noises basket. <laughs> yeah, so I also have Hale Ray reaching the final, but I have them falling to Coggenchog. I'm going with Coggenchog. I, I think this could be, you know, their year and an all-shoreline final, you know, for them. And like you said, I think North Brantford, how good they are, and then the fact that these other teams can hang with them and be competitive, I think is a big testament. You know, to what they to the shoreline, yeah. So, who who are some players in class S? Yes, yeah, so I had a couple of players uh, here. Abby Perot from St. Paul, hitting over yeah. five hundred this year with forty two RBI, which is very impressive. You know, a lot of good hitters in the NBL. She's just another one. Um, Alexandria Grenier from Coggenchog, you know, cl hitting close to four hundred. Uh, you know, another <coughs> strong power hitter. You know, it's it's sort of easy to get on base in softball, but those extra base hits, you know, that's sort of a sign of a really you know a good hitter. And then someone from, you know, your former neck of the woods in the Berkshire League, Alexa Milius from Thomaston. She can hit. She can just flat. She's a million times better than her brother. Was that one. No, love you, Mike. But, uh, no, she is unbelievable. Uh, she can hit. And Thomaston's a, an interesting team. Like we said, they, they come into that weird bracket where St. Paul's the two, Holy Cross is the seven, and they're the ten. You know, if one of them falls, maybe they can sneak in and, and kind of make some noise a little bit. But, um... I mean, having Alexa definitely helps. Yeah, over 150 hits for her career, which is impressive. She's going to play at Central Connecticut, so congratulations to her on that. And like you said, you know, so if you have someone that like that in your lineup, you know, you're in a you lineup. Could, you can turn a game around like that. Absolutely. And then, you know, someone that, you know, from Hell Ray, who I want to mention, Erin Mulkinton. Uh, she had two of the three, uh, two of the four hits uh, for Hell Ray yesterday, including the RBI double in the first inning. She was a three-hitter for the noises. Um, she could hit. And, uh, like, again, having someone like that in your lineup that you can change a game with one swing of the bat, that goes a long way in the state tournament. Absolutely. So you're ready to move on to Class M? Which is, this is it. This, the, this, this is the one the, that we really want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, this is the main event, um, for sure. Uh, a lot of top ten teams, a lot of strong teams, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. So first off, the, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier North Brantford, one of three undefeated teams along with Massac, and that third undefeated team is all the way in Winstead, up in the northwest corner of the state, you know, Northwestern, you know, going undefeated is an incredible accomplishment yes, regardless. And 
again, their team, you know, I went and looked back, they've had a few, you know, they're always strong, but they've had a few losses, a few losses. So, you know, taking that next step and going undefeated, you know, obviously a great accomplishment for them. Absolutely. I mean, Northwestern, when I was up there, they were always competitive. Um, they were always, you know, like you said, 17 wins, 18 wins, 16 wins, and they always would lose early in the tournament. Um, is this the year that they can make a run? Because of how deep Class M is, I'm going to say no. Um, respect the Highlanders, love what they've been doing, but I just think that this tournament in Class M is so hard. This is the best. This is the best bracket in in, in softball. Right. The number one team might come out of this bracket. Yep. You know the number. You know in the in the final poll. Right. You know if Mastic slips an L. Or, I mean, even if Seymour is playing North Bradford or Griswold in the finals, I mean, how do you not maybe vote them one for beating, a, you know, the number three and the number four teams? Right. So I, I really think the number one team in the state is coming out of this ranking, out of this bracket. Um, so I just don't see it for Northwestern this year, just because of how deep M is. Absolutely. Uh, Northwestern made the semifinals last year. They got beat by North Bradford almost single-handedly by Sinertia with the bat and her arm. But yeah, you know, making a semifinal appearance last year and you know being the number one seed, they, I think they have a slightly better <coughs> chance than you might be suggesting. But their potential quarterfinal opponent, St. Joseph, will be a very difficult game. I just wanted to touch on something else you said with the number one team possibly coming out of this bracket. And I think Seymour, for one, to get to the final win, they might have to beat Notre Dame, Fairfield, Granby, North Brantford, St. Joseph. That's like so. If if that happens, and if they go in that gauntlet, it would be very, very difficult to ignore them for sure. Absolutely. Anything else? We've almost talked about all these teams because they won their conference championship. Yeah, that is true. I mean, just a couple of players. You know, we have, we've obviously mentioned Becca, Becca Johnson, and Morgan Tedicio from Seymour. We've mentioned Sydney a bunch from from North Brantford. But I actually want to touch on. On Erin uh, DiMello uh, from Sheen. She's a pitcher for Sheen. Um, she beat Cheshire earlier in the SECs. She pitched really well against them when they lost 3 to 2. And uh, I mean, having a pitcher who can go up against that kind of competition and then take that into the state tournament, obviously, Sheen doesn't have the best, you know, the rank. They're, they're sitting at the 22 seed. Um, they do. Have Wilcox Tech in the first round is coming out of the Tech Conference. Yes. Now Wilcox Tech was I want to say they were undefeated last year, coming out of the Tech Conference. They had one loss and they played St. Joe's in the first round and they lost. Right. Um, I can see that happening now. You know, Sheen is a battle-tested team going up a team, and they don't have to travel far. They're going from Longford to Meriden. Right. So that's a pretty easy drive for Sheen. So I could see Sheen winning their first game, possibly their second game uh, against Northwest Catholic or Caner Tech. And then at that point, they're looking at a quarterfinals matchup with probably Griswold. Right. Now, you know, how much how much do you put into the Shoreline Conference? How much do you put in the SEC? But if Sheen's we're playing for she I think Sheen has a very good chance to play for a spot in the final four. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, coming from that SEC, it's gonna be really interesting to see, like like I said before about being a referendum on that conference, they're the one team in in one of the smaller classes that could really make some noise and Unfortunately, they weren't able to parlay that upset in the quarterfinal to a long run towards the championship. But even that one win, you know, getting a win in the first round of that tournament is, a, you know, going to be momentum on its Absolutely. own. Like you said, they have a 
slightly favorable path to at least the quarters. Yeah, there, against so. Griswold, which would be that would be a good matchup, and I would be in. You know, Sheen with those two wins going up against Griswold would be uh, would be interesting to see. So the the drum roll climax of the podcast, I would assume, you know, with the potential number one team coming out of this bracket. Who do you have in your final four? Who do you have in your final two? Who do you have <coughs> taking it? Um, right now, um, well, as of now, not not right now. These are my picks. I'm taking uh, number nine St. Joe's versus number four Seymour in the first in the first semifinal, and then number two North Brantford versus number three Griswold. Yep. As much as I was talking Shane, talking Shane. I'm, I'm going to go with Griswold. I, they've had an unbelievable season, and I think the rematch against North Brantford would be a sight to see, and I think it's something that Griswold wants. Yes. That said, I think North Brantford wins again. <laughs> for a third uh, time, Griswold lost to North Brantford in, the, in this class and last year, too. Yep. So I think that North Brantford's going to be Seymour versus North Brantford in the finals, and I'm taking the Wildcats to win their 12th state title. I've seen Seymour a handful of times this year, and I just I can't see any team beating them. Right. Yeah. North Brantford has run into Seymour last year in the state final, and at a, you know at the youth level, these you know these age groups actually played against one another growing up. So I unfortunately agree with all of your predictions there. I have the same final four and the same <coughs> final two. I, it's just hard to ignore how hard Seymour hits the ball. Yeah. I think that's the biggest difference between them and these other teams. Like, top to bottom, their lineup is so devastating when it's clicking. And we've already mentioned her a couple times, but Morgan Teodosio just, I mean, how she good, how harder good, than anybody how good is she going to be? Hit the ball. Yeah, how good is she really going to be in a couple of years? It's really scary. Yeah, and that's, you know, you look at these teams, and, and you know, you mentioned the, you know, the pitchers for each team, and then you look at their lineups, and it's like Seymour's got, like, six, Absolutely. you know, six unbelievable hitters. They, one through nine they can hit. Even even their second baseman, she, uh, Isabella Shabbat's at the bottom of the order. She can hit. She hit a foul ball. Hit me right in the kneecap during the NBL Finals. I had a gigantic bump. She can hit the ball hard. I can attest to that. And and also, they can pitch. Uh, not that, you know, we hadn't really mentioned that because how good their line is. But obviously, um, you know, Gafford and Adamo are excellent pitchers. And they will keep them in every Jenna was Jenna pitched unbelievable in the NBL Finals. And they brought Molly in to, to pitch the last uh, three innings. And she was just as good. I mean, having a, we, we talked about having dynamic duos in the state tournament when you can go to them at any time. And, and uh, Seymour's got two really good ones. Yeah, it's a nice balance. I feel like you know a lot of these great teams have two great pitchers, and a lot of them have one pitcher that they just throw out every time, and you know they dominate. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Anything else on this potentially awesome Class M? I'm sure we could talk about this for a nice day. We definitely could. Uh, we could do a whole show on the Class M tournament. But I would. I mean, this is the one to watch. Um, obviously, yes, you got L and you got double L and you got and you got the big teams in there. But I really think M is the bracket to watch this year, and I, I really think the best team in the state is coming out of that bracket. Yeah, just one more thing I want to mention: Seymour, like I said before, their road can be really hard, and a potential second round game with Notre Dame, Fairfield, and uh, that could be a challenging game. That could be one of the toughest second round games of any of these tournaments. You know, Notre Dame can hit the ball really hard. You know, they made it to the SWC semifinals where they lost to Masick. And one of their hitters, Lucy Grant, is maybe doesn't get the attention that a Becca Johnson gets or some of these other hitters, but she is one of the best hitters in the state. Her power is ridiculous and someone that Seymour's gonna have to, you know, keep an eye on. I, I would assume, you know, the the deal breaker would just be Seymour's step in the lineup. You know, it's they have so many ways to attack you, whereas some of these other teams maybe only have a few different, you know, batters yep. that can really crush the ball. 
So we will move on to class L, and I don't want to say the most predictable class, or maybe one of the ones where, you know, it's there's one team, right, and there are challenges to Masic, but Masic seems to be head and shoulders the best team in class L. Heading into the tournament, that can change fast, but what do you think? I, I think this is Matt's Masic's bracket to lose. Uh, this is their state tournament. I, L doesn't uh, impress me as much as say as say L uh, as M does, uh, and I think that that plays a huge role into it. Um, so I, I think this is really Masics to lose. Yeah. I mean, there are other teams in there, and we'll get to that when we talk about our final four. But I really think this is Masics to lose. Yeah, and they lost last year to Fitch. They've done that several times recently in the state tournament, but. It just seems like the path is clear for them. They're clicking. Their pitching is incredible. They get to run this pitching back next year, you know. So they're they're just so lined up to do everything they want, you know. And to finish this season off potentially twenty seven and zero, you know, they're the number one team in the state now. They've won two straight SWC championship. So Lee Verone and her team are just they're just cooking. They're on fire and everything, you know. They're doing everything really well. And this, I think, the biggest storyline, you know, to use air quotes, into this tournament will be the SWC against the SCC. You know, we've got three high SWC teams that have buys into the second round in Brookfield, Barlow, and Massick, and, you know, SCC teams in Hand, Guilford, you know, Law, you know, Law's pretty good, and North Haven won the conference, so it'll be interesting to see when those teams collide, you know, who comes out on top. Yep. Any, anything else that you have, you know, anything else you want to talk about before we get to the picks? Or? Well, I think, you know, you can't sleep on, like, you know, you said, like, some of those SEC teams, like Amanda King over at Guilford. Absolutely. Uh, she's one of the better players in the league. You know, Guilford might not have had the year that they wanted to have this year, but they still have Amanda King. Uh, you look at a girl over at Lyman Hall in, in Morgan, um, uh, Toscano, she can yes. hit, she can play. Uh, that makes Lyman Hall a dangerous team. Uh, you know, you got North Haven's coming in, coming off their SEC title. Olivia Peterson had two huge hits in the SEC. And then you even look like a team like Maloney over in Meriden. They've been really good this year. Mackenzie Myers, their starting pitcher, she threw a no-hitter to end the regular season against Platt. They're rivals. Uh, so I think Maloney might be a team to watch. Um, I think that their side of the bracket kind of plays to their favor. Right. But uh, I can add to more on that when we uh, when we jump to our picks. Yeah, and these are a lot of teams that had disappointing losses in the first round. Two hand loss in the first round. Brookfield lost to Barlow in the first round of the SWC tournament, and those two teams could meet in the quarterfinals. But Barlow is the type of team that also you know doesn't produce as many runs as they would like. So while they have two great pitchers, that you know that phrase again, and Katie Colangelo and Clara McCann. Once you get in those tight games, you know, anything can happen, and that's what makes it hard to say this team's maybe a favorite over another team. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, most of my players to watch were from the SWC because I've seen them all so much. Um, leadoff hitter Abiota for Barlow automatically gets on base. She hit over 600. She's, she might be one of the fastest kids in the state for softball. Teams, you know, they play as close to home plate as they can, but she still gets the ball down, and yeah. she still gets on first base. And that's another thing in these tight games, if you can get someone like her on and just have her steal a base and, you know, all of a sudden a sack or a wild pitch and bam, that's a run, like, just out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Carolyn from Brookfield had a really strong season hitting the bat. Um, one of the reasons why Brookfield had such an amazing season, almost out of nowhere, um, going 17-3, and three, um, you know, they have, mostly it was their offense that carried them that far and she was one of the standouts there. And then... Massick has plenty of good hitters, but um, Erica Pullen, their catcher, another you know a strong hitter, and just you know, worth mentioning there. So, Absolutely. 
Let's get to the final four here. Who do you have, Pete, and what do you have going on? In my final four right now, <clears throat> I have uh, number one, Mashic versus number four, North Haven. I think that's a matchup. SWC, SEC champs going at it. And then on the other side of the bracket, I have number six, Joel Barlow okay. versus number seven, Maloney. Okay. I think that the pitching gets Maloney. They have a couple other good players, like Anna Hendrickson out in center field. Um, I think the Spartans will surprise a lot of people. I mean, obviously, they'll have to beat Daniel Hand in the second round, but or third round, but I, I think that's something that they can do. Um, and then in the finals, I have Masic and Barlow in the SWC matchup, and I have Masic winning the state championship. So I am three out of four with you there. <laughs> I have Masic beating Barlow for the championship, just like you said, and I have Masic facing North Haven in the semifinals. But my one wild card for all these picks was I have Barlow taking on Fitch, 9-11 and 11 Fitch, in the semifinals. Now, this is a team that takes out-of-conference scheduling to another level. Yeah. They pretty much scheduled every team they could possibly you know, face at a conference, which is part of the reason why they went 9-11. They're a very young team. That's who I saw play Southington, and Southington, they gave it to them pretty good, but they hung around, and then um, they also, you know, they... Yeah, they're, they're just a young team. I feel like they're getting better, sorry, is what I was trying to explain there. And like you said, Class L is not that strong. So you could see it some, you know, some, I think if any Cinderella comes out, it would probably be out of this bracket. Lyman Hall is a, a potential Cinderella because they, they could absolutely beat Barlow in the second round. That, that would not be a humongous upset. So Fitch is my wild card, but like you said, it, it could be an all-SWC matchup in the final and uh, Massick going for that Class L title that, you know, be a perfect way to end this season that they've been on. So. Absolutely. So moving on to Class Double L, are you set for this? I'm ready. One more to go here, and you know, all, this is all the big schools. This is you know, probably gets the most attention of all the classes for sure, based on who's in it. And Trumbull and you know enters the season as the defending champ. Trumbull, Southington, and Cheshire, all teams that went 19 and one in their respective conferences before having you know, different outcomes in their conference tournaments in Trumbull and Cheshire's cases, but when you look at this field, this bracket, what do you think? Uh, I think this is another top-heavy uh, bracket, just like <coughs> we talked about in L. Um, I, you know, you don't want to pick the top four seeds, I'm not, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm picking for the top five seeds. Uh, it just it's just such a top heavy lineup and uh, bracket and you see you know with all the buys you know the top three teams that have buys are three of the best teams in the state right and I don't think anybody believes that Cheshire is a three seed yeah um, as well so but I think that there's a lot of talent in this in this bracket obviously Caris Azaro at Southington um, at Amity you have uh, Brooke Maddie Govaski and uh, Carly Marquito Mar yeah, Marquito. They they can they mash. Right. They 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 hashtag mash. <laughs> they can hit. Um, so that makes them dangerous. Uh, Mia Mia Judatis over at Cheshire. They're uh, they're shortstop. You know when she goes, they go. Um, and then uh, you know there's just some really good pitchers out there. Uh, Julian Kane at, at New Canaan at 221 strikeouts this year, according to uh, Max Press. Whatever weight you put into, you know what coaches upload there. And then Maria. Hancock at South Windsor at 230 strikeouts this year. I mean, that's just power pitching, and that, I mean, you can win tournament games like that. Absolutely. You can go far. Yep, Maria was on my to watch list because she's also a very good hitter, and you, 
if you have that type of pitching, it'll keep you in every single game. And especially for a team like South Windsor that has a couple games that they could easily win to, you know, at least reach the quarterfinals. And I think some of these teams that are in our area, we don't get to see very often, so it's hard to you know tell how they'll fare, especially in the CCC. I guess is what I mean. How will these CCC teams do against the top teams against Absolutely. Southington? South Winds are only lost three nothing to Southington during the regular season. You know, so obviously they can compete with. And them they're going to be, and they and they could be on a collision course in the quarterfinals. Absolutely, and uh, <coughs> another team probably not talked about at all. They barely made the top ten a couple weeks. Was E.O. Smith, who went seventeen and two during the regular season. Um, Madison Shea, I was on one of, was on my players to watch. Like she's a sophomore, but she batted 600, you know, with 41 RBIs. So it wasn't someone that batted 600 just to you know get on base and score runs. She actually drove in runs, and they're also a team. Again, if their two losses were so close. If they're unbeaten, it's like oh, they get a lot more attention that way. Yeah, so I feel like these close losses are maybe a little too scrutinized, and if, you know, well, at least in the regular sport like softball, though, I mean, you're looking at a team like Cheshire has one regular season loss, yes. and they're a three seed. Right. You know, I mean, Neil Smith has two losses and there are four. Right. You know, Amity's got three losses, two are to Cheshire. Right. So, you know, I think it's just, like, it's just the way the softball is. Um, but, uh, so for my final four, I have, coming out of the top of the bracket, I have Southington and Amity. Okay. Um, and then at the bottom of the bracket, I have Trumbull versus Cheshire. So one versus five and two versus three. I really went off the, you know, really went off the map there. Um, but this game last year was such a good game in the semifinals. Right. And I'm picking them to be my finals this year. I'm taking <laughs> Cheshire versus Southington in the finals. I think that this would be an unreal matchup against two very good traditional powerhouses. Yeah, traditional is right. It was a great semifinal last year at the Luca Field. I think it will be a great final this year. And Cheshire over Southington. <laughs> yep, Cheshire, you know, a state championship recently. Southington is always great. So I'm sure Southington's hungry after not, you know, after last year not winning it. And also, just uh, just a shout out to Trumbull for all of a sudden entering this conversation as one of the best teams in the state. You know, Jackie Chef says, you know, she came in, turned them, you know, like we just made them yeah. instantly one of the best teams in the state. And that's just a really testament to them and their kids to even like you know be in this conversation now. It seems like this might be a thing where they're always, you know. In this thing, like a Southington and a Cheshire. Yep. I again three out of four from for me. Um, I have Southington as well. Trumbull, Amity. Um, you know, losing you know in the final of a tournament is nothing to be ashamed of. You know, like they did to North Haven. And they have the lineup and the bracket to make it really far. You know, they they have some matchups that they can you know definitely come out on top on. And then my four team is NFA. Now I made, I, I made this pick before, you know, their game against Griswold. I, you know, as soon as the brackets came out, I, you know, I looked at these and that's a tough way to lose a conference championship, you know? So I'm sure they will be hungry. They have, you know, great, you know, they'd have a great team, obviously going 16 and four and, you know, Bailey Como, their pitcher's very good. Um, a lot of their runs, you know, a lot of wild pitches, a lot of mistakes I saw in the highlights of that game against Griswold. So, she tossed a no-hitter in an early season win over Norwalk, and she also one-hit Stonington, excuse me. So I think they're the type of team, you know, let's just say they play, they play Cheshire, you know, that's, a, that's almost a coin flip, right? Yeah. So I like NFA, you know, and I actually have them winning the whole thing. So that's an upset. I think, I don't know how good these top-end teams are. They've all had games where they've either, like, they're one loss, or they've had games where they've been competitive against other teams that haven't been that good during the regular season. Maybe 
maybe Trumbull doesn't resemble that as much as Cheshire or Southington. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, playing in the SEC, even though you're better than the other teams, it's hard to be at your best every single game. But I'm still going off the rails, and I'm taking NFA to win, and they're always good, too. It's not yeah. like... You know, no, it's not, it's not a crazy pick. So that's probably, you know, a couple, you know, between Fitch and NFA, you know, the eastern part of the state will not like me when that goes wrong, but that's <laughs> who I'm going with. So... Was there anything else on the way out the door here that you know we should talk about? I think we covered everything we pretty covered well. Everything. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be back. Um, we'll be back after the state tournaments the next week to recap how bad our picks were, and uh, you know, talk about the champions, the final bracket, uh, the final poll of the year, and maybe if we wanted to give out some you know awards or something like that. Yeah, we'll we'll head into the the factory to see what we can come up with as far as that goes, and yeah. The postseason discussion for who's number one is always hot, you know, hot topic. So that'll be fun to break down, and it'll be interesting to have all these games play out. There's some great teams at the top of each of these brackets, and these games should be close and competitive, just like they always are. And yeah, it'll be fun. So thank you for joining me, Pete. For Absolutely, right. Inaugural Thanks for episode. Me, man. Yeah, the first ever of Inside the Circle. Yep. We will see you in two weeks. Uh, best of luck to everyone. Thanks a lot. Later.